having a, a, a firm investment in winning uh, is one of those ways that, again, extrovert, introvert, innate ability to talk, not, um, I think is the key that anybody can latch onto and really start to get commonality um, as they work with more and more salespeople. Ahoy, and welcome to Come Sell Away, the sales podcast for people that don't like sales. Hey, Allie. Hey, Molly. Fancy meeting you on Zoom. Oh, nice Nice to see you. Nice to see you. It's been you. a while. Your pixelated face. It is. Uh, yeah, it's a little pixelated. It's a little dark in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, Molly, and I'm recording from Denver today. Where are you, Allie? I am in Detroit, Michigan. Awesome. Today on Come Sell Away, we are talking to Wayne Larson, Wichita Wayne. <laughs> Watermelon As he Wayne. is known. He has a lot of nicknames, all um, emulating some version of Harold Hill, salesman in the musical, music man. And we're really excited to talk to Wayne. First of all, Allie knows him. Oh, yeah. Wayne and I go way back to uh, Kansas City, Missouri. And he married your, one of your best friends. Is this he right? did, yeah. So that's really how we know him. But right. very conveniently so because he is um, an absolute treasure and has just a ton of knowledge to drop on us about the world of marketing, how it relates to sales, sales enablement, and much, much more. Yeah. And whereas some of the people we've talked to are on the outskirts or peripherals of sales, Wayne is really in it. And totally practices what he preaches and truly some quote worthy moments that he's got here in our conversation. So without further ado. Which is <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I wanted to start because I was creeping on your LinkedIn, obviously. Um, and I love seeing people's titles and how they describe what they do. And your description is one of our favorites. Allie and I were uh, laughing about it. So I'm going to read it aloud here (laughs) as you're, uh, you are a, a revenue generating digital marketer, empowering sales teams to sell more. That's what you've got up there. And then you say, I use inbound and outbound digital marketing strategies to drive leads and revenue generating opportunities for sales teams. It's sort of like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, circa 2018. (laughs) And we at Ghost Ranch love always be closing Alec Baldwin. ABC. Um, We will link to this in the podcast so people can see the, this exact scene that we all know we're talking about. Um, But what does it mean to be Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross in 2018, modern day? (laughs) Yeah, good question. Um, I think number one, and one of the reasons for referencing it, which I do in every um, marketing for sales presentation that I give, uh, you know, across our firm and other places, um, it's important to reference it because what's that like, uh, that's 90s, right? And uh, maybe even uh, late 80s. And oftentimes, I know marketers find themselves uh, at, because of uh, technology, um, maybe uh, in a younger generation than a lot of the salespeople that they're interacting with. Um, and I, I think that uh, that's probably uh, maybe not across the entire sales industry, but a good portion of it, right? Young marketer, old salespeople. Um, and because of that, uh, I think tipping the cap 
to something a little bit more old school uh, is a good way to do it. So anyways, uh, an interesting story about that. I'm uh, giving one of these, again, we call it marketing for sales, right? We don't ever want to give our training presentations and say, hey, this is just cool stuff that marketing's doing. You want to say, this is how you can use what we're doing each and every day. Point is, I'm giving that presentation to a, a, more, a younger group than normal um, in our firm one day. And uh, the guy goes, oh, no, I haven't seen that. But I've seen Wolf of Wall Street. I'm like, whoa, so different, bro. Come on, man. So yeah. anyways, I think that, uh, again, just a classic sales movie. And, and to me, what that means, though, um, is, uh, you know, it, it gives the nod to lead generation and demand generation. And that's what we talk about a lot um, in my small team and amongst other marketers um, and salespeople that I respect. Um, uh, that is, we're not here to just do marketing for marketing's sake, but we're here to do marketing that will empower sales, uh, whether that's enablement, um, whether that's uh, lead gen. Um, but so often we see that disconnect between marketing and sales because we're not hearing each other. Um, you know, sales says, give me more leads, give me more leads. Just like in Glengarry Glen Ross, right? Give me the leads and the sales managers holding the deck of cards and stuff. I love talking with our team about that and saying, look, we have that deck of cards because of all this awesome stuff we're able to do. Now let's empower them with that deck of cards. And that's a hard place to be probably easier said than done for a lot of folks and a lot of both sales and marketing teams. But that's what Glengarry Glen Ross circa 2018 really means to me. That's excellent. Yeah, I think a lot of people could learn from that. And Allie and I were talking even just before this uh, about people's maybe misconceptions of Wolf of Wall Street. And we're like, that guy was a terrible person. Like, <laughs> he's not a good character. You should not try and sell, sell like him. And he eventually went bankrupt. So it's nice to take that sort of, yeah, from the 80s synth soundtrack vibe to, uh, to 2018. Agreed. <laughs> like Ali said, we do like a lot of sales enablement at Ghost Ranch, and we've tried to improve upon that and learn about sales enablement trends. So definitely with digital marketing and your role, what is the importance of connecting, yeah, bridging the gap between marketing and the sales team? Office. And yeah, such a good question. I, I think we referenced um, in some of our kind of prep notes, right, two stats, and I'm just looking at them here on my screen. Um, top marketing challenges, uh, this was a, a year ago's data, but top marketing challenges quoted by a, a big CRM company, 63% um, of marketers say it's generating traffic and leads, right? Okay, that's their top challenge. Um, and then the top sales challenges uh, compared to two to three years ago, again, kind of that comparative data, is getting response from leads. Okay, we're both talking about leads, right? Um, now, how can we bridge that gap? And that's what we're working on all the time. And the second stat in the top marketing challenges from the study I'm referencing is the, the one that I think bridges it, which is 40% of marketers say proving ROI on marketing efforts. Okay. So if we sit back and we think about what's most important to a salesperson, every salesperson has a quota on their head. And so it's the dollars that they make. Okay, ROI, as we think about marketing and that challenge, if we don't solve that, how are we ever going to really be able to connect with our salespeople? So I think one of the biggest solutions and the biggest um, uh, things that I know my team's doing and I see other really successful sales and marketing alignment doing is being able to show end-to-end -end ROI reporting between marketing and sales. And totally easier said than done, 
But a great example of that is if I say, hey, sales team, um, I'd like to start uh, running an outbound marketing campaign on your behalf um, to uh, tens of thousands of prospects for some 80 um, uh, salespeople. This would be a conversation with sales leadership. If we're unable to show them the revenue driven from that at the end of X campaign, they're not going to align with us and we're truly not going to be connecting there along the way. Um, what's been the traditional thing that marketers might say, oh, well, you know, you had a 13% open rate. Ah, that's sweet. Where's the money, right? And so we're always talking about the money, you know, in not in a money hungry way, but always keeping that the focus because all salespeople that we're working with, that we're enabling, that we're partnering with and driving revenue for, that's what they care about. Yeah, the ROI focus. ROI focus. And how do you, what's the best way that you've found to measure the, the results for something like that? Because yeah, you can create awesome content and have a great open rate for your newsletter, but if you're not getting the money back, it's not, yeah, people just won't pay attention to you. People won't pay attention. Um, I'd say it's a, a quality, let me get this right. It's a quality over quantity scenario. Uh, so oftentimes, and um, in, in my organization, we have uh, hundreds of salespeople um, across different product lines in about a billion dollar company. And oftentimes we're going to come in and we'd say from a lead generation standpoint, hey, let's take the most simple, let's take the most simple approach to how we can get end to end. We'll get creative later. We'll worry about what content you're talking about, what marketing you're talking about and all those other things. But if we generate a lead, I don't care if that's outbound or inbound, what will you do with it? How will we track it? What type of lead do you want? And then at the end of the day, how will we know that it did generate that ROI? Um, so a couple of those models that I sent over along the way um, really show that. And oftentimes uh, marketers talk a lot about the marketing funnel, but we might say, oh yeah, here's about half of it. And then, okay, give it to you. Here you go. You take it from there, right? And that's us saying that to sales. We as marketers need to be able to get into that sales part of the funnel and help all the way through. Um, it's like uh, we're, our guiding hand needs to go all the way until they're a client, in my opinion, for us to truly understand what the salespeople want and how we'll be able to show that end-to-end -end ROI. It's a really broad way to put it. Um, certainly, we have a lot more technical ways um, that we can explain it, um, but that'd be conceptually uh, the way that I'd say it goes. Yeah, I love that funnel you sent over. Plus, I'm a visual learner, so. <laughs> None of what we do is rocket science, but so much of it is relationship building. And mm -hmm. again, um, we think about salespeople. Again, what are they out there doing? They're building relationships. Yeah. Okay. Um, we all as marketers and salespeople and whomever in between have to be those relationship builders too. It's like uh, Daniel Pink's book to sell as human. Um, I don't care if you're a nurse, you're a teacher uh, or something in between or a marketer for that matter. We're trying to sell somebody on doing something. So always being concerned or always starting with the what's in it for whomever we're selling to is of the utmost importance. And so often when marketing and sales are very closely, um, you know, uh, work in the same organization, unfortunately that's where we see the biggest disalignment or unalignment is, hey, this is what's in it for you sales and sales, this is what's in it for you marketing. Cause we're like, oh, they're not doing something that we thought they'd do and so on and so forth. Yeah. And um, 
you you beat me to it. I was going to ask if there was some inspirational book or something. We always like to know. So <laughs> Daniel Pink to sell as human. That yeah. Sounds, yeah. We'll definitely post that up. And I would say equally, um, you know, anything. I, personally, I just love being a student of sales. I've sold before, um, sold newspaper advertising uh, in the uh, economic downturn, which was a blast. Um, uh, but in uh, a great way to hear a lot of no's, right? Um, but nonetheless, um, whether you have had your, your chops cut in it or not, um, sales literature is so funny to me. Um, it's, it's like, uh, it's very like self-help and stuff like that. This is how you close. This is how you generate leads. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, we know all those folks are reading it. And so why not, if you're outside of that organization, whether it's, um, in any part of marketing, um, uh, outside of the sales group, why not read into that and try to, again, understand that group more and more. So we can become not a salesperson ourselves, but apathetic um, to everything that they're doing along the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we've talked about sales uh, as building relationships before on the cast. And that comes with communication and clear communication, which you do well, obviously. But how much of do you think your background um, helped you to where you are now as a salesperson versus you being a communicator? Is there a nice little balance in between or... Mm. Um, because a lot of people don't read all these sales books and they're kind of end up in sort of a position where maybe you're yeah, trying to freelance or do something yourself and have to kind of just learn as you go sort of deal. Hmm. Um, that's an interesting question. Perhaps because we can talk about like uh, any, whether you're extrovert, introvert, which is, is a, a sales uh, podcast yeah. for introverts. I love that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, I think uh, one thing that we don't talk a lot about um, uh, quite often, again, between any uh, somebody outside of sales or and even in sales sometimes too, is we don't say we want to win. And personally, I'm a terrible athlete. I love to surf. I surfed like for two hours this morning. It was awesome. Um, but nonetheless, I was never like, hey, you know, whatever, uh, basketball team, football, yada, yada. But intellectually, um, I love winning. And I think that that's a really, really important thing, whether uh, you're a outside agency partnering with a sales group or you're a part of a team partnering with a sales group internally. Um, we don't often talk about winning enough. And maybe that goes back to the marketer saying, hey, here are opens and clicks and telling a uh, salesperson that when in all reality, winning to them is dollar dollar bill, y'all, right? So um, having a, a, a firm investment in winning uh, is one of those ways that Again, extrovert, introvert, innate ability to talk, not, um, I think is the key that anybody can latch onto and really start to get commonality um, as they work with more and more salespeople. Always be winning. <laughs> Always be winning. <laughs> ABW, ABW, ADD, yeah. all dang day, taking care of business. Perfect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all the acronyms. Yeah, I, I've never thought about it that way, I guess. I love winning. I'm kind of a competitive person, but a terrible athlete. Um, so I think, yeah, winning people over, winning, um, of course, winning their business is great. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's awesome. Would you say that your background was specifically, uh, like, yeah, what did, like, what did you study at KU? Because I think everyone's kind of varied collection of uh, experience always leads them to some transferable skill. Mm, yeah, at the University of Kansas, um, you know, I studied marketing uh, within a school of journalism to always, you know, have that written word um, as, as your unique selling point, right? Uh, it's ever important. 
Um, but coming out uh, one year after the economic downturn, which was super, and now we're reading about all those great articles that are like, people coming out at that time are, have significantly less success. And I'm like, oh, shoot. Somebody, <laughs> I, guess, I guess we should have written that a while back. Anyways, whatever. Um, social <laughs> science aside, um, uh, to that end, um, you know, my first couple jobs out uh, were, um, you know, all marketing focused. But I guess if I really reflect the... The first two gigs that I had, one was extremely uh, technical, um, website development, uh, PR, things of that nature, just getting the chops um, in marketing. But then the second actually was um, I was selling the university um, that I worked for as a full-time person, um, face-to-face conversations, something like 10 of them a day at some point. I had a lot of breath mints because I drank a lot of coffee. Uh, and you know, in that, I, I, I suppose I you know, continued to, again, cut my chops at that type of relationship building. Um, but I, I would say the, the way that really started to, I guess it all started to connect with me, um, was, it, was when I, I transitioned to my current employer, uh, CBiz, um, a great professional services company, um, uh, that's uh, nationwide was when I, I saw just how, how hard it was again, to connect that end to end ROI. And I kept thinking about the people at the top. This is me when I'm like local, a part of a, you know, 40 person shop and a 5,000 person company. But I knew at, at the end of the day, like the C-suite or whomever the decision maker was, um, it, they look at all of everything. I don't care if it's marketing, client service, sales, but as a big math equation, right? I mean, even if we're doing our personal finances, that's a big math equation. And so if we can start to apply the math equation to marketing, um, and vis-a-vis sales, uh, which takes that, boy, that's awesome. So I might say, I can get 10 inbound leads and every 10 inbound leads turns into five leads passed off to sales and every five leads passed off to sales, one of those turns into an open opportunity and we close that half the time. Okay, that's only a half win. That's not technical, just like you can't have a half person. But nonetheless, you see the math equation and then, you know, what's the person at the top going to ask? He or she's going to say, how can I get 10 more of those inbound leads and how much do I have to pay for it, right? Um, so, I, I, again, I, I kind of go a little long on your question about background, but I've seen that more and more across my career, that importance, um, and uh, only continue to embrace it from there. Right. I've recently started a bit of a door-to-door, not quite sales, and doing a fundraising thing and a ton about it and the structure that they teach you and train with you is really interesting so when you were saying when you go from 10 to 5 to maybe the one or the half of one that you it's called yeah the rule of halves and it's not super technical but it's like okay if I knock on 40 doors I'll talk to 20 people 10 of those people will want more information maybe three or four will donate um, and one of those will be a significant donation um, so And I was out walking around the other night and it wasn't, I was getting a little nervous because there's a standard you meet every night. Um, It wasn't quite there. And truly with one more hour, um, I was looking at my stats because you kind of keep it as you go. And I was like, all right. I was like, the stats, the probability tells me that I should be like meeting some supporters pretty soon. And then sure enough, literally within half an hour, I had um, uh, $300 more dollars. It was nuts. I was like, and it wasn't, it's not even like necessarily a luck thing. It was just like, I'm doing what I was supposed to working with the support, pushing when I could. Um, 
And one lady told me the other day, she was like, oh, I'm in sales. Good job. She's like, that was a good bump. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, all right, yes. <laughs> it was definitely my Alec Baldwin moment. That's awesome. <laughs> so, kudos, man. And I mean, you couldn't be more right. It's a numbers game. And think about it. Like, that's what our salespeople, I think about this each and every day. That's what has to keep them going. Um, one of my buddies that I surf with, uh, he's a realtor down here in South Florida, a fantastic time and a fantastic place to be a realtor. Um, but he knows, right, that yeah, I mean, he every time he gets off the waves with me in the morning when there's a nice wave that comes through, he's got to make 60 calls that morning before 10 o'clock, right? And it's just a numbers game, and that, that keeps them going. Um, and, and really, I would say um, once you get to a certain level uh, for marketing, if you're that aligned with sales, we feel like that same thing, right? Um, my CMO just asked me the other day, hey, do you think we're going to hit our $2.2 million uh, number for um, marketing influenced wins, right? Um, that's the total that we have as a goal this year um, in terms of organic uh, revenue generated from marketing generated leads. And I said, yeah, no doubt, even though we we're only about halfway there because I could see the pipeline, right? Just like your door knocking, I could see it and it's going to come. And you just got to trust that that wave will happen. And um, that's such a huge part. That's a really neat thing that you're able to, to kind of uh, connect with, um, with sales folks out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of our ghost rancheros also did um, some door-to-door -door stuff and yeah, interesting stuff for sure. You guys are uh, rancheros? Rancheros is what we call ourselves. Gosh, that's that, awesome. Don't you? Oh, yeah. I love that. Yeah, we gotta have a, a snappy name for ourselves, of course. Right. Yeah, but everybody usually puts like ER at the end, right? c mm -hmm. Uh, I was with a firm the other day and they were like, Norther. And I'm like, well, oh. you guys are rancheros. What are you yeah. guys? We'd be too close to being Jolly Ranchers if we went for ranchers. <laughs> I know, yeah. Which, be, I mean, that's uh, that's great. I like Jolly Ranchers. It is kind of a nice little character. Yeah. <laughs> We're all different flavors. You know? Rancheros is, is like that Wild West vibe. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So cool. We like to be a little more like on the frontier. <laughs> you guys are. That's awesome. Um, I also wanted to ask, there's so many f funnels and tools out there, right? There's Facebook, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, even though it's dying. Um, but, but how do you, what are the best tools you've found to target the right people? Because so many people will throw a couple hundred dollars on their Facebook ads and that sort of thing. But targeting is, I think, one of the most important parts of this funnel. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, identifying, for us, it's identifying where our people are. Mm -hmm. um, where our prospects are and then equally let's work our way back up from our target audience it's like the whole Jeff Bezos move right Jeff always has not that I know Jeff Jeff Bezos has uh, <laughs> Jeff uh, always has uh, a chair in the room and an empty chair and and so when he ha he's having a meeting he always says okay that chair is empty and everybody just knows it now because that's the customer and so how can we work our way back up from the customer now that's super, it sounds super early stage. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it sounds super early stage, super simple. But if we work our way back up from there, um, you know, it all is gravy. Um, now you got to get creative. But so for ours, for example, um, just to talk like uh, social selling tools, which is a huge thing in B2B business services like we're in. Um, we know that at the end of the day, um, our main channel is going to be LinkedIn uh, because that's where, uh, you know, the whatever, whatever you want to call it, but the business professional, uh, social, uh, social media, believe mm -hmm. um, we know that that's the place where our salespeople are. So start at the customer, then go to the salesperson. Now, how can marketing then connect with that? 
And so um, a good example would be, uh, you know, we use uh, the social selling tool, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, which, um, you know, uh, lots and lots of people use. Heck, they even have tons of ads now on some of the podcasts that I listen to, which is great. Wouldn't that be a great group to sell to? Like selling to salespeople who are always like, I need more wins. Like that's such a, no offense, but that's such an easy sell, right? Um, Now, anyways, that's a whole nother topic, but Point is, um, you know, my lead gen team partners with our social team who says, okay, we're going to create this really cool content. This is what's working. This is what's awesome. And then my lead gen team will come in the back of it and say, okay, here are all the sneaky ways that we're going to put lead generation into that. Uh, maybe it's a, um, it's a blog post that we're sharing, but then it has a graphic CTA and a newsletter sign up on it. And boom, once that puppy's in there, it's a volume play. It goes back to knocking on doors. If we social selling knock on 20,000 doors, um, you know, we'll get two to 3% of that to convert to inbound leads. We have the process to pass it off because we're like this with sales and marketing and life gets good after that, but it all works back up from the customer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and Amazon maybe is a good example of this kind of next thing too, because we've talked a lot about storytelling on the cast because mm-hmm. ghost ranch um and sales enablement in a lot of ways helps uh tell a brand story tell a company story mm-hmm. there's a lot of different ways to do that of course it's it is kind of trendy it's very buzzwordy it's like tell your brand story and but what do you think sales and sales enablement's relationship with storytelling is and like why is that such a th- there's so many headlines i get i get my google alerts are full of those things all every week <laughs> yeah it's a good question uh, my industry sets up well for this answer, which is unless you're the top dog or cat, what you got to give it both sides. Um, you know, yeah, there you go. So unless you're the top dog or cat in any industry, people aren't always going to know your brand right off the bat. And so if you go and talk to a salesperson who's selling on behalf of that one off or three off or 10 off the top dog or cat, what's their brand going to be? It's probably going to be them. It's going to be Bob. It's going to be Wendy. And then I work for company number 10 on the top dog and cat list. And so being more and more in tune to that as uh, sales enablement, marketing and salespeople, I think will better tell the brand story of sorts. And we can't tell Bob, Wendy, Lucy, Jane, Wayne's story all at once and call that our brand story. Um, but I think too often marketing or whomever's behind that top level brand story forgets about Bob, forgets about Wendy. And that's where we see a disconnect in sales and marketing and sales enablement in between. Um, so that's a, that's a really fun thing we think about all the time. How can we just empower Bob and Wendy to tell their story? And then we'll say like, oh, and by the way, this is who we are after that. Um, because relation, uh, sales is so relationship-based. Yeah. Uh, that, I think you just articulating that helped me kind of realize, because I was going to ask, why do you think sales has such a bad rep? And I think it is because of those robotic disconnects and not being able to, rather than tell everyone to make, you know, tell the story in their own way and be you know, build their own part into it it's um it was set up in these sort of like xyz <clears throat> always be closing sort of situations and um even just like the fact that in you know our conversation online before the podcast that you requested to be on video with us and 
have like that face-to-face interaction. It's that human element and that human connection, I think, um, is such an important part of the relationship. And, you know, brands are important. Brands are, are hugely important, but your personal brand is, you know, a huge part of what contributes to that overall brand too. So, so right. So right. So do you have like a go-to icebreaker for networking? What is your hook? Like when you're going into just total cold kind of meet with someone, what's your starter? Do you like to surf? (laughs) No, No, but um, you know, as it relates to it, um, when uh, maybe if I could flip your question just a tad and and talk through when people say, what do you do? Which I used Mm -hmm. to have a, really, really tough time answering that question. And sometimes I'd actually like avoid it. And then I watched the whole season of friends and I was like, holy cow, I need to stop being like Chandler because that's stupid. Um, (laughs) Nobody gets what I do. (laughs) Um, So I've changed that since then. Gosh, thanks Netflix. Um, And anyways, now I sometimes when somebody asks me that question, I'll say, do you have salespeople in, in your organization? And I mean, who can't say yes to them for the most part, right? Whether it's B2C, B2B, um, the pet store down the street, everybody's selling. And so I say, okay, um, that's great. Uh, do they always sell as much as, you know, you want or their manager wants or they, do they sell enough uh, to make the, the organization successful? Uh, you know, that's typically a mixed reaction. Well, you know, Jenny's really great, but the other five, they stink. Okay. I help salespeople sell more and we just leave it at that. Uh, I won't get into too much more. And, and a lot of times they might think, Oh, this, this guy's, you know, sales support. And he's like, uh, you know, schlepping out uh, little fly sheets, one off fly sheets uh, out of word and, and PowerPoint, uh, you know, they can think that and that's fine. Um, but, but nonetheless, um, you know, at its top level, I just say, I help salespeople sell more and we go from there. I like that. And then they're, and then they're like, okay, well you're, you're not, you're not immediately coming after me and you want to make sure you're talking to the right person too. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Um, that's a, it's a, a fun way to think about how we all interact with sales. It, it really is. And, and that can be sometimes the more, most, uh, relational point in a networking uh, scenario. Like, like you mentioned there. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know if, um, how much, yeah. How much interaction do you have with networking and do you ever, like, have you ever had a good sales embarrassing moment or funny moment with someone or small world moment, something like that? I mean, I can give embarrassing sales moments all the time. I suppose yes. um, uh, when you asked about we my back, yeah, when you asked about my background question, um, I, I didn't probably go into my internship experience, but uh, for two summers, um, I worked for an environmental nonprofit uh, where I went uh I went door to door, actually pharmacy to pharmacy um, in Kansas in a couple different counties in Kansas. And um, it was a, I was uh, spreading an environmental message, uh, asking people not to uh, flush their medication down the toilet. Now, this was back in 2008, 2009, lots has changed, unfortunately, because of opioid crisis and a range of other things. Um, but nonetheless, taking it away from that and more on to just like, hey, man, you know, don't flush your expired Advil down or something else along the way, less dangerous. Uh, nonetheless, um, that happens a lot. And that used to be a practice that was uh, uh, supported 
Well, turns out that gets into the water, that gets into our fish, that gets into X and X and X and X, and it's bad for the environment. So I went around, boom, 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 knock, knock, knock to all these different pharmacies. And then at sometimes I would talk to at large groups of pharmacies. Here are all the Walgreens in this county or something. Well, um, I was standing up giving my pitch and I said, you know, just, I mean, you can, even if you're still flushing it down the toilet or telling people to do that, at least you're not burning the drugs out back like this one pharmacy that I recently went to. And everybody, a uh, 20 person group started laughing. Oh, geez. And they said, well, you know, that's, that's Billy's pharmacy that you just mentioned. And Billy's sitting right here. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is a whatever, uh, you know, not a successful small business owner who has way more education than me as a sophomore in college. And I'm just like foot, mouth, boom. Uh, boy, that one taught me uh, a while back just to, to, to really hold your cards a little tighter, even when you're trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when you're trying to break the ice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> know who you're talking to. Know who you're talking to, man. <laughs> it probably gave them all a good laugh for sure. Did you, did you see what his reaction was, Billy? <laughs> uh, you know, Billy laughed as well and then promptly told me all the reasons why he could do that and why it was compliant and, you know, exerted his intelligence, right. uh, rightfully so. And I appreciate him doing that. <laughs> That is good. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, that would scar you for a little while. Yep. <laughs> it, did. it did. Especially when I had to tell, you know, um, your manager about that and yada, yada. And, and right. it's part of it. Oh, God. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well, didn't go quite as planned. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's what internships are for, right? That's right. They're for, you know, und- lower paid work and uh, embarrassing yourself. <laughs> that's right. But if you're not willing to embarrass yourself, then you know, that's how you, that's how you build relationships with people. <laughs> no doubt about it. And if you don't mind, um, that just spurns a, an interesting sales and marketing point as well along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I truly believe, and I've seen across the hundreds and hundreds of salespeople um, that I work with day in, day out, um, and, and again, help sell more, that they're like always trying something new. If you went around and we interviewed five different salespeople today in five different markets, they'd say, well, you know, this week I'm trying this, right? And if we think about that, marketing and to a large degree sales enablement and everything around it doesn't try as much new stuff as fast as these salespeople who are out doing it. And if we can be more agile or we can be more Nike, like I tell my group, just do it, right? Um, <laughs> we can then be on that cutting edge and be proactively in front of whatever X sales team wants. And so that's something uh, just, again, it just spurned, um, spurned my interest when, when you mentioned that um, just trying and failing and doing it all over again. Um, you wonder um, aloud if marketers again can continue to do that more and then get ahead of that insatiable appetite for success and change that so many salespeople have along the way. Is there, Wayne, is there anything that you have tried to do or do you have any ideas about like how you can start to be more agile like that, like in marketing and sales enablement like that, um, which really leads me to just wonder what your vision is for like where marketing, sales enablement, you know, creating a better environment for people to create sales. Where do you see that going in the next like five to 10 years? Like how do you see that, you know, improving and growing? Yeah, good question. Um, I'd say it starts with the process. Like, so it just like 
somebody gave me a, a compliment the other day that was not necessary. Uh, a sales guy in the local office that I'm sometimes based in. He's like, you guys are kind of like engineers, huh? And I think he was thinking about like how we're connecting Salesforce, Pardot, Google AdWords, Google Analytics, and all those other things in between. Okay, take all the technology off of it though. And I, I took it or I, I then used it as a point of pride to move forward and think, okay, how are we always putting process together and linking it all before we engage? How often do we say, damn it, this is the best piece of content ever. I got to get it out. Let's do it now. And then you, you forgot, oh, I don't have a mechanism to pass off opens or clicks to my salesperson or whatever it is along the way. Um, so it's getting the process down. That's why I shared a lot of models with you guys along the way. And then, and then applying the uh, intangibles or, or the unique parts along the way, but keeping that process the same. Because again, if we're working with salespeople that once they learn a process and it succeeds for them, they will want to repeat that over and over and over again. Why? Because they want to win. But two, um, because that is uh, the, the way that they can keep generating a high enough volume. And so then if we keep the process the same, pepper in those little nuances along the way, we're going to get better alignment and get better results over time. Um, that goes back to kind of like that quality over quantity approach too um, that we so often see. And the cool part is if it breaks, if the process like breaks down somewhere, you can more easily identify what happened that was bad. Um, so uh, we have uh, two product lines, a good example of that. Um, we have two product lines uh, that I was implementing the similar process with. One had really great content and it drove tons and tons of inbound leads through AdWords, through organic search. Um, the other um, had what we thought was going to be great content too, but it was a flop. And we were easily able to go back and say, well, that content sucked. And that's why it failed. Not, it wasn't that, you know, the lead didn't get handed off, the automation rules or the autoresponder emails didn't work and all these other things. That's all good. So let's just go back and tweak that little part. Um, so I, I wonder if, uh, to answer your question, Allie, as we continue to think like further and further into the future, is it more process-focused stuff that then we insert our specialists into along the way? How often have we been marketers or designers or even salespeople who have been asked to be these generalists and be able to connect all the things? And when we try to do that, we get gaps along the way. Because we can't, we can't do all the things as one generalist, make the best content, do the best email, have the best sales handoff and all these other things. So why not create that base and then start to input the specialists along the way? I think you see agencies doing that a lot nowadays too, right? The agencies that are failing are say, we're everything to all people, look at us. The agencies that are succeeding say, we do this really, really well. We do sales enablement really, really well, so on and so forth. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Like, we do presentation design really well. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say yeah, that's, that's our. That's exactly our our business model is hyper niche. Yeah. And you know, I'd say um, that hyper niche. A lot of it, what I've been reading because we're working on developing um, a sales development uh, team, right? So SDRs, which is way different than appointment setting out there or anything else like that, or just like outsourcing telemarketing. But a lot of what I've been reading lately has to do with, look, the best salespeople out there 
are going to be your closers of sorts, right? And they are specialists in their area. Gone are the days again of saying like, oh, he's a specialist at playing golf with people. Damn, he makes great relationships, right? Um, and now it's, I'm a specialist in this area. And if I can get someone at a significantly, let's be real, lower compensation earlier in their career to do all the activity that can get the couple opportunities to that specialist, that's ultimately going to be the best way to run our organization is hyper-focusing on that specialization. That's cool to hear you guys do it too. And would you classify that into the category of B2B professional services? Do you think this all kind of falls under the same umbrella? You know, um, yes, but also B2B uh, service as a software does it a lot too. SaaS is like huge on it. I've actually learned a lot from SaaS folks. I was on a flight um, from uh, here to San Francisco, which is damn near like going to Europe and uh, South Florida to NorCal. And uh, a guy was looking over my shoulder and, uh, and he was like, are you in sales? Cause I was reading a whole bunch of sales stuff. <laughs> and I was like, no man, I'm not. And I told him all the reasons why and stuff like that, uh, that I'm reading this stuff. But he was at a, a B2B SaaS company, somebody who goes up against like the Zooms and the go to meetings of the world. And uh, we had this crazy cool conversation about how, how SaaS is really, really bringing that along because of like product demos and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. um, B2B business services has a little bit of less of what you can hold. So maybe it, there is a little bit more of that like relationship part of it, but nonetheless, the specialization certainly is important too. So I think it's a, in a, some other industries as well. I, I don't know about B2C as much. I don't sell a lot of Coca-Cola. Yeah, because I think as people get more on board and as these things become more aligned, um, you're right that everyone has their own process on how to do it. But um, I think ultimately people like, and that was something I was wanting to ask you too, is like, where is this going? Because there's so many there's so many channels and funnels of like re ways to reach people and everyone is just trying to figure out the best process for them. And, um, depending on the industry and what you're trying to sell and who you're trying to connect with, of course it'll differ. But, um, with so much technology and stuff, there's really interesting ways for it to get done. Yeah, there are. And, and if you don't mind me getting really heady on you for a minute, again, okay. just Please. because I, just because I was able to surf for two hours this morning, I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling it. Um, and to answer your question on networking in South Florida, that's where my networking is. I was out in the water today with my buddies from the neighborhood. One's a real estate guy, one's a woodworker, one's a environmental nonprofit leader, and the other's a accountant at a big four company, right? So it's great. It was awesome. That's good networking. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we call it a board meeting, right? Um, so Perfect. exactly. Anyways, um, you know, I really start to wonder until, until salespeople are just completely like wiped from an org, which will be a while before robots are just selling for us and stuff like that. Hopefully not in my time because that's fun stuff. Right. Um, but especially in a 3.9% unemployment rate, I studies show that the closer sales and marketing are aligned, the more valued salespeople feel, and the more, obviously, the more success they're typically going to have, which all equates to the longer they're going to stay. And I don't know this exact number, but I mean, we have, my organization has 40, maybe 50 marketers and more like 500, maybe even, uh, you know, maybe even a thousand employee uh, salespeople. And 
if we think about how the, what the churn is like on salespeople, right? they come, they go, they come, they go. I'm not saying they're a dime a dozen or anything, but they, they, they have a little bit more volatility there. But marketers have typically a higher retention rate and are the smaller group. Think about how sales and marketing alignment, sales enablement and sales alignment can start to retain a group of people that are generating the top line revenue for your organization who can retain that group of people that's really hard to sometimes keep. And I mean, I don't know if my HR business partner friends would be like, dude, you're smoking something weird. Um, but I really, really do think that sales and marketing alignment is, is a, a crucial aspect of, of growth in a company specifically for that uh, ability to retain salespeople along the way. Also just for alignment with teams and like symbiotic teamwork, essentially. <laughs> I remember being in an agency that was more focused on marketing and it was um, some B2B clients, but a lot of B2C and the biggest hangups would be coming with the, um, like, you know, we'd want to do something creative and be on the creative side and trying to go forth with it. And then, yeah, the sales team would come back and be like, no, we can't do that because the client wants X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And it was always that bottleneck that you get to. And it was it seemingly really simple, just like, okay, well, why didn't we all talk about this from the beginning? Um, and then um, eventually, yeah, but that was the big sort of streamlining different processes to come down the funnel and make sure that everyone was doing the same thing when you first got a project, so you don't run into that and waste time. Big time, big time. Focusing on that win, right? Sales probably mm -hmm. said it because they know... I yeah. can't drive revenue from it. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's a good combination. It's a compromise. It's a good combination of those things is the best, um, gets you the best leads and then ultimately clients. Um, we have an idea of a little, and we, we haven't done this before, but Allie and I always talk about doing a bit or something like kind of silly to include on the cast. Okay. You'd be a great person to start it off with. So kind of a, like a hot seat opinion corner. I'll name like a few random trendy things going on that you probably know um, at least a little bit about and just give us a quick snippet of your opinion or if you hate it or you don't know anything about it, then that's, that's fine. And we're going to call it bandwag on or off. <laughs> okay, I like it. So, Wayne, welcome to bandwag on or off. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what do you think? <clears throat> I read an article the other day that said in 2019, 80% of Facebook ads will be video. What do you think? Bandwagon on. Um, I understand that they're that are putting, giving preference to that right now. A lot of the smart social people that I talk to. And if you think about how glued our eyes are to our phone, makes good sense. Bandwagon on. All right, cool. Uh, what about GIFs used in marketing? GIFs or GIFs? I kind of am, I'm, I go back and forth my pronunciation. GIFs is more fun because it's like peanut butter. Peanut butter, yeah. <laughs> it is, that's exactly right. Um, well, if it was a GIF about peanut butter, uh, I would say um, bandwagon on, and specifically because of that thing that people do, like what's the thing, boomerang? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the boomerang is- That's like we're all making GIFs, right? Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> all right, Wayne. Bitcoin, do you buy it or not? Bandwagon off, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bandwagon off. No, no way. I, hey, I, I have a Bitcoin. 
Gabby sent I know, I was gonna say, Ali bought some. <laughs> I have a Bitcoin. Well, I know a place in Dania Beach, Florida that you can buy Bitcoin from a gas station. So if you want to trade, I'm happy. No, I'm just kidding. I'll send you guys the picture for the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. But I'm off. All right, what about QR codes? Oh, so off, it's not even funny. That's oh up my and gosh. Off. And at some point, they're gonna create a lawsuit because they're on the back of trucks all the time. Wanna be a truck driver? Scan me. I'm like, get what? Wait, I, oh, God. How close you have to get to the back of the truck to scan yeah, That's what I'm talking about. A train wreck waiting to happen, yeah. yeah. Social media stories, Facebook oh, stories, Instagram man. stories, Snapchat stories. I'm off because I've never made one. <laughs> Good. Look at you. Wow. So, yeah. That's not a point of pride. That's just what, if I said yes, my wife would kill me. She'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> I've, yeah, made story. I've made lots of stories, but I don't do anything that exciting, so it can't, they can't be that fun to watch. <laughs> I just get annoyed that I think every channel has them, so I don't want to see everyone's Facebook story, Snapchat story, Instagram story. I think it's going to have to be streamlined into one eventually. I think they're useful, but I don't know. It'd be um, uh, Wolf Dog or whatever, um, what Ryan on The Office created. Um, he created a social media that like sent you a fax, email, and something else. Oh, Wolf you are definitely a ranchero if you're giving an, us an Office reference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Wolf, I think it was like W-H-U-O-F. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> ching, it was like, ching, 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 ching. Everything like printed <laughs> and like faxed and stuff. Yeah. Yep, you got it. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. That's all I had. Thank you for joining for Ben Wagon or Off. Yeah. <laughs> this has been so great, Wayne. Thanks so much for joining. Um, I know you mentioned um, Daniel Pink's To mm-hmm. Sell as Human, but is there a piece of advice or inspiration that you've turned to in your career, sales related or not, but um, that you would love to leave young, li- dear listeners? the world keeps getting more and more technologically focused and that's a fantastic thing you can work from iceland you can work from detroit we're chatting from south florida can't take a call on my surfboard yet but hopefully that will happen soon Uh, nevertheless building relationships whether it's face-to-face via phone video chat or even over an im i think will become more and more important to running and being in a successful business because we're all human beings, no matter what medium that we're connecting on. And the further we get out of touch with that fact, the opposite will happen. The less success we'll have. I can't believe how much relationships have played uh, in my career, not just from a like, who'd you babysit for and then get a job with, but rather, the great impressions that you can have when you're on a project call uh, or in a chat or anything else have such incredible lasting impact um, that I can't say enough about them. That snippet was so quotable. (laughs) I made sure to not have my dumb laugh in the background. (laughs) Oh, I muted myself. I just did a lot of hard knobs. That was beautiful. That was really beautiful. I like it. The tiniest prompt brings forth just great wisdom and dialogue from you, um, which I knew it was exactly what was going to happen. Yes, yes. So thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your 
your Floridian Friday. Floridian? <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, yeah. You went surfing, you got on a podcast. Like, such a Florida guy. Pretty good day. You are such a Florida guy. It's a good life, man, I'm not gonna lie. Anybody's always welcome at the Jungle Book. We've been trying to get out late. I know, yeah. Yeah. Bye, guys. Yeah. Right. Bye, Wayne. Thanks Bye. so much. Yeah. Talk soon. Yeah. Give me the lead.